Well, hi there, folks, and welcome to the Pregnancy Help Podcast. I'm Betty McDowell, Vice President of Ministry Services here at Heartbeat, and today I get to spend some time with our president, Jarrell Godsey. And it's always fun to have a little time with you, Jarrell. It's fun to really pick your brain and to hear what's on your heart. And so um, we are going to talk about, um, since you love alliterations, uh, we'll let you talk about the alliterations, folks. You'll just have to stay tuned to find out what letter he picked and where we go. But I wanted to, to take from an article that you recently uh, published, that we published for you at Heartbeat International, uh, three goals for the next 50 years of pregnancy help. And you start out by saying Heartbeat International is moving from the past 50 years into the next 50 years with clear conviction on what we, the pregnancy help movement, need to do. These methods are many and varied, but they boil down to three big goals moving into the next half century. So we're going to talk about those three goals. And we'll talk a little bit about those three goals, but one of them we're going to dive into and talk a little more deeply. So how about if you start us out by talking about what those three big goals are? Well, for me, Betty, one of the adventures has been looking back and digesting what our founders talked about, what they saw that we've been busy doing for the last 50 years and beginning to kind of then flip the page because now we're looking at another half century and what are those things as you've if you mentioned that there are, what are the key things that we've been working on sometimes very intentionally and sometimes not as intentionally as we might have been but we were doing it but we didn't really realize why we were doing or what we were doing or we were doing it for other reasons but it had the benefit so it was like what has God been really calling us to do? And, and as I've been digesting that in this transition of from the pa- from the past fifty mm-hmm. years to the next fifty years, um, I, the there the three things that came to mind were this were really places, people, and paths. Mm-hmm. And so we've had great success. And and I can't start the conversation without recognizing the real powerful successes that we can look to. It's no small thing that we have 2,700 pregnancy help centers. And I'm speaking specifically about pregnancy help center locations, which is mm-hmm. an intervention method. It's a, it's our most common affiliate at Heartbeat International. It's kind of the most, maybe the most widely known expression of pregnancy help is really in these physical locations where there are places that people can go harbors of hope and help that people can find hopefully in a community near them and so we we celebrate the fact that there are nearly 3000 of them 2700 and some and and depending on how we count them that you know we can easily get to 3000 now that's not the only thing there are pregnancy organizations that are part of the the movement as well adoption agencies and our maternity housing mm-hmm. friends uh some some other entities that are out doing doing these kind of things including like mobile units like they don't may not have a physical address but they are they're serving powerfully in the community whether they're attached to a physical center or not but there's a great um, joy in really looking at what the Holy Spirit has accomplished in this movement, particularly in the U.S., but it's also international. And uh, and so I look back with I look backwards in that saying, like, wow, we did all of this without really a a business plan and venture capital. Like all we had was the Holy Spirit calling His people to do this work, and look what we've we've accomplished. 
Um, but it was not too long ago, I was reading a book actually uh, written by a professor of sociology. And, uh, and she had a little chart in her book that, that caught my attention. And it, was a, it had been a, a, a look at, uh, at pregnancy centers by kind of by state on, on a per capita basis. And, you know, we, we were not involved in that original conversation. I'm not exactly sure the specific list that was reviewed, but I realized, wait a minute, we have this information. We could revisit that because it was nearly, well, I guess it was eight years old when I was first looking at it. And I thought eight years, there's been a lot of growth in eight years. And there's been, a, maybe we have some, some uh, more comprehensive information than they had at that time. And so I really was looking to compare it. And so we redid that study and it revealed something really, really interesting. One of which is that for all the successes that we've done, we can do more. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I think about, um, because I've heard you say um, that kind of that whole business plan. When you think of CVS, Walmart, Starbucks, they really had a plan. And and is it Walmart that was like one on every corner kind Mm. of thing? And, And so I've heard you use that example. And then talking about how the Holy Spirit has really directed the movement. And now that we have enough information, um, we really see the Holy Spirit moving and working and giving us even clearer direction as to what needs to happen. Yeah, we so we've done it by kind of as much by heart. And then, of course, there have been plenty of people that have been very focused on, say, for instance, uh, high abortion areas, high traffic areas, and, and, and yet... And yet it's always been a mixture of is the community really responding to that call by the Holy Spirit? I believe that the Holy Spirit's been asking his people everywhere. And I don't mean just the U.S. I mean Mm -hmm. around the globe. What do I do in the face of these laws that have changed, abortion on demand, whether it's uh, in secret like it is in some countries or it's blatantly over the top out in the open like it is in the U.S. where, you know, some states, as we've seen, are celebrating and expanding abortion access while others are are striving to constrict it. And it's like and we can see that struggle as a culture. We can see it as a country. We can certainly see it in our laws. But what we don't always see is really the struggle that the women are going through. Mm -hmm. And do they have the help that they need? And so when we started to look at it, this this intriguing perspective, which probably is much more familiar when we think in terms of economics or when people are doing demographic studies. I mean, I I don't know. know, We just did the census. And um, of course, it was a a weird year to do a census. but, But the census drives a lot of other conversations that yes, connect to our political spectrum, mm-hmm. to our, how our, what is it, our districts are drawn and how our um, uh, various programs and things are, are evaluated is based on what what is a per capita question, mm-hmm. right? So where we take, where we can take a very densely populated area and now we can have a point of comparison to maybe a less densely populated area because we use a, a per capita um, so per the, the capita or the population of that, of that area, we can now do that, use those as denominators to create um, some comparative studies. Mm-hmm. And that's what was really interesting. And so when I redid the map from 2013, I was like, wow, this is fascinating because 
some areas where we can look and say we've seen great success. And I, I would count, you know, the fact that we have over 200, preg when I say we, I mean the movement. I don't mean necessarily just heartbeat. I mean, mm -hmm. we're, we're very much movement minded and looking at the success of having well over 200 pregnancy help centers in the state of California, for instance, is phenomenal. And it's to be, to be uh, um, celebrated. Absolutely. And yet when we actually compare it to the amount of population that's in California, that California surprisingly drops to the bottom of the of the list when we think of the states in order and how and how many pregnancy centers there are in our study we did it per 500,000 people and how many pregnancy centers there are California actually begins to suffer and when we when we by comparison mm -hmm. uh, Wyoming for for whatever reason is rocking it you know there's not quite as many people in Wyoming and a few centers go further I get that but when you just do the math which is very common um, very common tool in sociology when you use that per capita equation we see actually Wyoming is doing great they have more than 11 centers per 500,000 people whereas California has less than two per 500,000 people. And of course, we're looking at a general population. We know that, you know, that there probably could be more refined to pregnant women. And I, I but I don't think that the, that the numbers would be vastly different, but it shows us that there is more places that we can be. And some of these, some of these states that have been working at it with smaller populations and smaller communities, I believe are showing us that we really need to get focused on doing it in places where there are larger populations and in some cases growing populations that we, that need to catch up with where some of the rest of the country is at. So you're giving away kind of the details of a white paper that we produced. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about, we talk about the alliteration, we're really focusing on places. places. So, and then you have people and paths that go along with that, but focusing in on uh, places. And so um, Heartbeat, a couple different things about Heartbeat that people may not know is that we do have this data. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of information and uh, thankfully we have some great leadership who likes to look and step back and get kind of the big picture of what's happening. Very missional to Heartbeat International. And then with that, we produce these white papers. So just out of curiosity, do you know where the term white paper comes from? I do not. Oh, I know something you don't know. That's pretty oh, rare. Actually, you know a lot of things <laughs> I don't know. So, so it, it actually, I was doing some research on it because it's like, especially in times where I feel like we have such a, a sensitive culture, it's like, is it okay to use the term white paper? <laughs> and that actually crossed my mind. But um, it's actually uh, comes from government and uh, white papers. Uh, so the government would code different papers as to how available they were, who, what audience gets them. And so a white paper was basically tagged uh, a white paper because it, it meant that public, the public could have access to it. Uh, that's where that term comes from. And it's really, um, as we know, it's an informational paper. Oftentimes it will feature a solution. Um, it's really authoritative usually. There's expertise involved. And uh, we realize with all the information that we have, that puts us in a very unique place to create some position papers. And so we have white papers on uh, various topics. And particularly if people are Heartbeat affiliates, they would have access to those things. So you would contact us here at Heartbeat International. Um, this particular white paper is, is something that 
different audiences might have uh, some interest in, some of our, our partners in, in pro-life work. Uh, so certainly want to make that available to them. So if people are interested in this particular white paper, uh, they can actually contact Heartbeat International, support at heartbeatinternational.org, and talk to us about whether or not they can have access to this paper. So you want to talk a little bit on, you kind of touch on this, but kind of go through the overview of, of the paper, and then you can go through some of the some of the other findings that we had on it since you pointed some of those out because i know i know if you're a center director if you're in any actually life-affirming organization i would think you would want this because of just even the data that's at the end that talks about the counties in Mm -hmm. each state and what centers the number of organizations that exist in that area so I think people would find that valuable. But let's go back and kind of pull anything else from overview that you want to touch on and, and some of the different pieces of this. And But don't we won't give everything away because people <laughs> we want people to read it because it's a good paper. Well, so. it, and it really does kind of collect some thinking that came to us in the process of this analysis. So one of the things I remember reading a while back was uh, one of Planned Parenthood. I think it was Guttmacher. I was uh, perusing their website. And I found this statistic, I think it said something like, well, uh, 88% of all counties do not have a, you know, fill in the blank, Planned Parenthood or abortion clinic, or I I don't recall uh, specifically what it was, or maybe it was abortion access, like directly in that county, to which I I was thinking, huh, well, I wonder how many counties we have pregnancy centers in. Mm -hmm. So kind of these two thoughts of how many, how many pregnancy centers on a per capita basis in a state are there? And then how many counties actually have it because that was a curious thing it's like well if they only have 12 percent of the and this was a stat i think from a few years ago from their website um if they only have 12 percent, then that means that they don't have 88 percent. and then i thought well i wonder how much how many pregnancy centers are so we literally did a per county investigation and found out that hallelujah more than 50 percent. now it's only 51 percent, but it's more than 50 percent of all the counties in the u.s and this this involved us kind of going out and finding the the list of all the counties or, or things that, that would be considered counties. And in some places, they're, they're not referred to as counties, but they're townships or, or uh, have kind of some other, other names. But essentially, the, this is a, a, the government list of all the counties. And we did that comparison with our worldwide directory U.S. listing of pregnancy centers only, whether they're medical or resources. We, we left out the mobile units in this evaluation because they don't have a particular location. And... In fairness, we really are only looking at where is the center located, not mm-hmm. necessarily the area they serve, because I know for a fact that 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 their service areas are larger. It's just harder to define. Right. Um, and so, so if a if a center's clearly on the on the on one side of a county line, they certainly serve those in the other county. And it's not that those counties lack for services, but they they might lack for an actual physical representation of that center in that county. So I thought it was a cool thing that we had 51%. Now, what also tells me is that we got 49% more to go, right? We, <laughs> we should have, I mean, there are more than 3,000 counties in the U.S., and we should have at least one pregnancy help center in every single county. Easy thing to say yes and amen to and make it happen. Okay, 
So any other tidbits from this report that you oh, are willing tons. to share? Uh, now, you know I could talk about this for a while, but a part I'll of it is... I'll talk for a few minutes. I won't... Uh, don't worry, folks. Yeah. I won't let him talk for... This won't be a 24-hour podcast. Yeah. Part of this is is just really looking at the numbers. And of course, numbers, mm-hmm. when we're discussing them, become a little more difficult. But when we think in terms of how are we reaching... How well have we done up to date? And again, I want to celebrate what we've done mm-hmm. because it's, it's nothing short of amazing that we have accomplished as a whole what we've done. Now, you know, could we do better in any of our locations? Could we reach more people? Absolutely. But just in just in terms of where are we? Where are we physically located? There's really the story that that uh, and this is kind of the title of the white paper. It's uh, PHC's room to grow. We mm-hmm. have more room to grow. So there are several counties that we know are wide open rural spaces that they're they're they don't have a heavy population and and we recognize why there wouldn't be a center there but the other side of that is that we have some very dense counties and curiously our populations are changing places are growing particularly post-pandemic there are you know new areas of development housing is going crazy we have lots of opportunities and this is really what points us to uh, actually in the in the white paper we have a, a per county map and we, we did it kind of in a color-coded way so that we can see what are both, on the one hand, is an underserved area, mm-hmm. which mean, which makes it really a target of opportunity. And this is what we're, what we're looking to kind of highlight. Suddenly, these, this, this county that we thought, wow, there are like 12 or 14 centers in this one county. That's great. But then when you look at the actual population numbers and compare it, you realize, wow, there's a lot more population there to serve. And, and some of these counties are dynamic in their own way. They're growing. And, and we need to be thinking about it. We need to be processing it. We even get to, in some cases, take a per city basis. Now, we didn't do this, could not possibly do this on a, um, on a broad scale, but we really looked at just a few cities that we would all know, uh, kind of call out Chicago, Dallas, Detroit, Los Angeles, Miami. And what we see is using that metric. Now, remember, across the U.S., there are there are more than four centers for every 500,000 people. So that's kind of our national average, right. for instance. Now, when we compare that internationally, by the way, U.S. is far and away uh, elite. And that, that, that only makes sense. We've been at it for a, a longer time. We've had a very generous community making it happen. We have a real um, uh, active pro-life movement that that's pouring that resources into it. And we have not had as many of some of the, say, the legal concerns that many of our friends in other mm-hmm. countries either have or the or the economic challenges that they've been facing. So it's not for their lack of desire, certainly not their lack of heart and expertise, but it's it's a it's a challenge in other parts of the of the country. So the US has a has an exceptionally high rate per capita of PHCs uh, over four. So four is our number. We look at some of our big cities and we realize that, say for instance, in Chicago, there are less than two pregnancy help centers for every 500,000 people. 1.76 was the calculus that we used from this data a couple of years ago. When we look at Detroit, uh, less than one and a half per 500,000 people. Los Angeles, same same mm-hmm. thing, which is an amazing county with great great pregnancy help centers there. Um, Miami, which is where we've had work mm-hmm. at, been at work at, and thank God for what's there because if we had done this study 20 years ago, it would have been t- 10 times worse. But not, even in Miami, it's not even two. Um, two pregnancy centers for every half million people. So it's given us a bit of a metric that allows us to say, hmm, can we can we see with, that these are areas of opportunity and can we strive to to do more here? Yeah, I I like when we when we look at Miami, we look at 
um, Chicago Heck, Columbus, Ohio, we've seen it as well, where you have pregnancy centers that are really very much set up in the culture. You talk about the per capita, and that's the city, but seeing how they can set up and really serve a specific um, specific culture, mm-hmm. specific grouping of people, and how, how valuable that is and how important that is. So um, I think that's pretty neat when we get a chance to see that. Mm-hmm. And that goes to one of the other P's when we talk about paths. You know, we have to create different mm-hmm. paths. So that's not just that that happens kind of on a lot of different levels one of which is different waste reach we talked about mobile units you know mm-hmm. we're, we're not going to be able to solve all of this simply by planting physical structures and and committing to that kind of brick and mortar we're gonna it's gonna one of the solutions one of the solutions is that we we, we make more mobile units we have more people that are that are mobile uh, involved and that by the way isn't just with wheels and things that are happening so paths is, is is a variety of things. It's it's not just the method of pregnancy centers, but it's also how that method is delivered, how that life-saving care is really getting to those locations. So brick-and-mortar locations being planted in certain places is only one of the things that we're looking at. So it's not just places, it's also paths. You you, meant, you mentioned something about the type of people that we're going to, going mm-hmm. to serve. And that's the type of people we're, we want to serve, and so we need to be have some specialized paths for you know urban urban centers, which we've been having this discussion for many many years. I know I know you visited a center that was um, dedicated to a specific population, even in the L, in the L A area. That's right. Yeah, actually, you were there too. <laughs> but I, I actually was just talking with someone the other day, and they were talking about the work in Columbus, Ohio, at the Stowe Center mm, mm-hmm. and the population that they're working with there, and um, which is very, very different than some of the other pregnancy centers in Columbus. And mm-hmm. just it's the neighborhood that they're in. Or what about needed. what about when we've seen a pregnancy center on the reser- on an Indian reservation? Right. Uh, at, you know, the, out in the West, I think the. The pop the center I was thinking of in the in California was serving the the Vietnamese community, right. and of course you know, our friends in Heartbeat of Miami are definitely serving the uh, the Latino community that's there, and not only not only Latino because in, actually in Miami, Northern Miami, there's a more of an African American presence. So mm-hmm. that center has a very has a very different feel than than even one of their other locations. So these are ways that we have to adapt to reach out and to find what new ways to connect with that community. Um, which of course comes from the investment of brick and mortar, but is going to come from a lot of other options as well. Yeah, that makes me think of some of the centers that are near the military bases as mm-hmm. well, and um, some of the migrant workers that we've seen in some other places mm-hmm. uh, in the state of Washington, where we visited some, and then in Florida as well. So, yep, yeah, um, I know you. There's some famous things that that I attribute to you, and when we talk Uh-oh. about paths, one of the things that you say we will, we must do his work his way. And while he never changes, he calls us to change to fulfill the mission of his heart. So better said in your voice than mine. But when I when I see that, it's like, okay, that's almost a derelism for me <laughs> in what you say. But there's, there's one other one. And, and it kind of goes with the last P that we wanted to talk about, which is people. Um, and, uh, and I want it in your voice, which is that like full sentence, the second line yeah. that you always say. So I always say it. It's not original to me. Uh, I know Peggy Hartshorn is, is is really the one that I've heard it from the most. And it, but it is such a simple and yet profound truth. The very best alternative 
to abortion is another person. So this is going to be the other P that we're, that we're going to need. We're going to need more places. We're going to need more paths, but we are going to need more people. And if I look, just, just do some raw calculations, and I, I know this is probably not a fair um, assessment, but it's at least a telling, something that tells us something that we, we need to know, is that if I count the number of people that are actively serving now, and I count the number of successes that we generally count every year, mm-hmm. for every one person that's engaged directly in pregnancy help right now, there are about four babies that are that are saved from from the risk of abortion and if 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 there's any any actual causation or even correlation then one of the things that we are definitely going to need is more people more people that are doing this in ways that we haven't even thought of yet in ways that we're finding that can be done remotely or or we need to have more of these locations and if we're going to have more locations we're going to need more people they're going to staff those locations and they're going to look different they're not going to be the same thing that we thought they needed to be 10 years ago mm-hmm. or 20 years ago. They may be very, very different going forward, but they're going to all be necessary so that we can make greater inroads into the, the this great mission field that is abortion. Yeah, I think about We've been around for a long time, both of us, although I'm older and wiser. I mean, I'm older than you. And we've seen lots of changes, certainly in the movement. And we've seen uh, places. We've seen changes in places. We've seen our additions to that and the pathways. Um, and when it comes to the people, yes, different people, but all with the same heart. And that's kind of the cool thing. Um, I wanted to really end the podcast with just uh, telling you, yeah, I'm sure you probably know this, but in the ministry services department, probably our favorite call is that call that comes in and someone says to us, you know, the Holy Spirit's been really stirring my heart and I'm now much more aware of this issue of, um, of abortion and the ministry that's been created because of abortion that's needed. And, and so their hearts are stirred and they ask, how can I start a pregnancy center? And how do you answer them? <laughs> you have a great answer. I love this. Yeah. Which, which, wait a minute. I don't know which answer you're going <laughs> to. Are you an answer to someone else's prayer? Yeah. So I do, we do ask that. That's something that, that I realized a long time ago is because it goes back to what you were talking about and how this really is a move of the Holy Spirit. And I can't tell you how many times when someone calls and they, they're like, I'm going to start a pregnancy. I need to start a pregnancy center. And after you talk to them for a little bit and you find out about their heart and maybe you find out about their story because there's some connection there and we find out where they live, we look to see, well, are there other pregnancy centers there? And most often we find that that person may very well be or is the answer to the prayers of that pregnancy center who is saying in their strategic planning, gosh, there's a community here we need to reach. And so sometimes they become a satellite or sometimes they really do become their own center, but they have the We've support. We've seen both. Yeah. We've seen both. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. We've got a, actually neat work happening in, in the Pittsburgh area of that very thing. There's some really wonderful, strong centers there. And a group came in with a specific heart to reach a specific community. And so the directors really came around her. And we even have one of one of our Heartbeat affiliates who's really helping to mentor this new young director in their work. And we love when that happens. And that's another case where it's an answer to prayer of being able to reach into a community and serve a community. So, um, so every every community deserves a pregnancy help center. Everyone does because there are. And I, I realize it may not be, it may not be economically feasible if we were looking at it as a business model. But when we look at it as a ministry model, we get to that point where 
there are people in every community who are facing the risk of abortion, mm-hmm. who will be finding themselves in a place where they can't see any other path. And the the interesting thing is that the uh, the abortion industry is adapting. And, and this is one of the scary things as well. They're adapting so that their business model now is switching to abortions being sent to people's homes. Right. So they're actually, while they're not changing their pricing, so they're keeping their profit margin high mm-hmm. uh, but they are they are delivering m- more abortions in in ways that we we have not seen until the last 10 years and so it's going to be necessary for more uh, more places and more people and more paths to really address this issue in our country and beyond Great way to end the podcast, Sherelle. Thanks. Thanks, Betty. Thanks for your time. And if you are listening and you're interested in reading the article that Jarrell wrote, Three Goals for the Next 50 Years of Pregnancy Help, you can always check with support at Heartbeat International. We'll either direct you to that article. We'll send it to you. Um, if you're interested in reading the white paper, Pregnancy Help Centers, PhDs in the USA, Room to Grow, again, you can contact us at Heartbeat International. Support at Heartbeat International will direct you to that white paper. If you're an affiliate, um, you will be able to find that under affiliates only on heartbeatservices.org. Thanks for joining us and um, just know that you are in our hearts and we're so grateful to be part of this pregnancy help community. Um, Thank you for your life-affirming work and we'll talk again soon. God bless. This episode of the Pregnancy Help Podcast was brought to you by the Pregnancy Help Center Life Launch Grant. This grant is designed to inspire a new season of Pregnancy Help Center startups by supporting individuals opening brand new centers in areas primed for more life-saving outreach. The grant is created to help startup centers open their doors and advance pregnancy help to new communities throughout the U.S. For questions related to the program or to learn more about how you can apply, please contact Grant Program Specialist Sarah Littlefield at slittlefield at heartbeatinternational.org.